We're going to be in chapter 3. We went through chapters 1 and 2 last week. Of course, chapter one is really is really entering into the story. It's all about who we, you know, what we already know that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish or or you know or a whale or whatever you want to call it. And then, of course, this is the kid story that we all know. But then you get into chapter two, and he he's repenting for what he's done because he's in the belly of this fish, and he's repenting, saying, "Lord, you know, I'm sorry for what I've done." I need to turn my attitude around and I need to do what you've called me to do. So the fish spits him back up onto the shore. And so Jonah's getting ready to head to Nineveh. This is the second call. This is what I call the second call for Jonah because he was called once. He didn't accept the call. Now he's called to the same thing again. Do you know that there are people out there who have been called to the same thing over and over and over again by the Lord and they never receive, they never accept what God's called them to? God will call them again and again and again and give them opportunities and instead they want to do something else. I don't know why anybody thinks that ministry or pastoring or, or anything like that, standing up in front of a crowd is, is, a, is just a glorious thing to do. It's one, you know something that that, you know, just makes you feel good about yourself. Boy, that, that was over a long time ago for me. Because you got to realize that every time I stand up here on stage, I ask the Lord, Lord, you have to anoint me for the day. I'm anointed for the call, but you have to anoint me for the day because I can sure mess things up. You could do the same thing. Be sure and receive what God has for you, what he's called you to do, and then do that. And don't try and get into something else that, some, that, they, that he really hasn't called you to because, boy, we can sure mess things up. Yeah. Amen? Amen? All right, let's go. Carrie, I'm going to have you read today. Can I get a mic for Carrie? How about this one right here, Bride? I'm going to have you read today. I like your voice. Mel did a good job last week. She's not here this morning or she'd probably want to read. I did have some comments while he's getting that mic on. I did have some comments through the week about this. Some of you have actually been studying this. One person said last week that she was taught that it wasn't really a fish or a whale that swallowed Jonah. It was just in his mind. Uh, it was one of those things that, that, no, this really couldn't happen. This was in Jonah's mind, and he was in kind of a trance-like state. And this, is a, this was actually taught. This was taught years for her. Um, I haven't heard that before, but... I do want to tell you, you know, I, I suppose we, we can't be 100% sure that Jonah was swallowed by a fish, but let me tell you, 100%, I'm 100% sure that God can do anything he wants. Yep. Was a fiery furnace imagination? Well, ooh. So some, in other words, some, some pastors don't take the, the Bible literally, don't, don't take the stories like this literally and preach it like that. Uh, I'm not like I'm not like that. I believe God can do this. I believe God's. I believe there's a fish out there big enough to swallow David. <laughs> you know, but but let's just say that that it is a type of story that we need to learn that Jonah was in a tomb, and Jesus uses this story to tell about his own death, burial, and resurrection. De Jonah was in a tomb for three three days, right? So Jesus is able to use this story. Uh, I tell you what, uh, some people have been in a tomb for a whole lot longer than that. Because when we decide not to follow the Lord, what he has for us, huh? They stink. It's stinky. 
it's stinky to follow your own ideas sometimes. It's like being in a tomb, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Okay, you guys ready? This is very short. This chapter is very short, so I'm going to have Kerry read, and then I'll stop him if I've got something to say. And ready? Are you ready back there, Ethan? Okay, go ahead. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now, before we go any farther, let me, let me give you a little bit of history of Nineveh. Does anybody know any history of Nineveh? Does anybody have any history on that? Nineveh had a circumference of about 60 feet, up 60 feet, 60 miles. It had about 120,000, that was a little city, wasn't it? Had about <laughs> just the size of this right here. About 60 miles. It had about 120,000 people in it. So God had called Jonah to a little over 120,000 people to save them because God had told Jonah that he was going to destroy this entire city if Jonah didn't listen to him and deliver the message. So Jonah had on his shoulder over 120,000 people. Now, located within this city, the city walls were several different districts. So we can kind of look at it like the city of Tulsa. Located in the city of Tulsa are several, are several different, um, what do we call those? Uh, suburbs. suburbs. We would call them suburbs today like Owasso and, and Jinx and Broken Arrow. Well, Nineveh was set up in the same way and had 120,000 people. What, is, is Broken Arrow not a suburb of Tulsa? You guys looking at me? It yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's, a count, it's Tulsa County. Oh, well, never mind. So same thing. You guys don't argue with me on that. It's the same idea, right? So it had 120,000 or more of these people in it. And so Jonah had to walk into this city. He had to find the best place to deliver his message. Now, if you had to deliver a message to a city, where would you go? Huh? City Hall. City Hall. That sound like a pretty good place? You would try and find the people or the person that could deliver the message to everybody else. And you better find a person that really, when he or she talks, she's got, they've got something to say. People are going to listen. That's exactly what he did. Carrie, go ahead. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Okay, we'll stop right there. Now, when it, when it says he sat on a burlap of a heap of ashes, that means that he was repenting. These people were repenting. Now, you look at this and it was just, man, it was just like two paragraphs. This whole story leads up to like two paragraphs. Jonah goes and he delivers the message. He said, in 40 days, God's gonna, okay, if I stood up here to you and I said, no limits church, in 40 days, God's gonna destroy you if you do not turn from what you're doing today, what are you going to do? Turn or burn. Oh, come on now. What would you do? 
do you trust me as a prophet of God to stand up here and tell you? They did. They believed this guy. This guy that was called to this city that had disobeyed and for a second time comes back around, stands up in front of them and says, in 40 days. Now, what's 40 days? Is anybody asking why God gave them 40 days? What is, what is the deal with 40 days? That's exactly what Jonah thought. He did. He got mad at God because God gave, him, gave them 40 days. We'll find that out in the next chapter. He got, he got mad because God had grace. He got upset because God had grace on the wicked. Now, if we stand here as a church and we decide that just because people don't believe the same way we do, that we believe that God should strike them down. Is that the Christian way of thinking, of believing? Come on, we've been doing it for years. Churches have been doing that for years. As a matter of fact, churches are doing that to other churches. We've got to make sure that we understand that that's not what we're called to do. Just because there's another church down the corner, down on the corner that doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues as we do here, doesn't mean that they are not believers in Christ and doesn't believe that they haven't achieved, you know, that, that, that they're not going to heaven with us because they are, because as the Bible says, we will not need tongues in heaven. Yeah. We need them here. So if you believe in it, you need to get it now because you're not going to need it later. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for now. It's actually not for, it's not for the, it's not for eternity, it is for now. It's for the short years that you're here on earth. So just because another church doesn't believe that doesn't mean that they're not believers just like we are. Now don't let me put this out here that just, you know, if we go to another church and they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and, and he's, that, there's, there's a problem right there. There are actually atheist churches today. How many of you knew that? That is an oxymoron. But there are, there are atheist churches popping up all over the place. Churches that truly don't believe in Jesus Christ. Churches that believe there is a God, but it's not the true God. Now, when you, when you go through this and it, and it says that they believed in God, it, he kind of made God in this chapter kind of a, a general type of thing. Because they didn't know who God was. They didn't know anything about him. They knew very little, the whole city knew very little about who God was, but yet when the prophet of God stood up and said, in 40 days, God's gonna give you 40, 40 days grace to turn your, turn your ways. And they accepted that. Isn't that amazing? Jonah got mad. We should have given them two hours. I'm just sitting here thinking what he probably thought. We should, God, you should have given them maybe an hour. If they didn't turn in an hour, if they didn't repent in an hour, they're going up in flames. They're burning, baby. Burn, baby, burn. Disco inferno. I mean, really burn. No, God gave them, but they, but they turned and it was because the king heard, they believed in the king, the king said, we're turning. 
We believe. Now, if you go back to chapter two, those of you who have actually been reading, there's only four chapters. And if you go back to chapter two, how many of you remembered, how many of you caught that when they threw Jonah overboard that some of them actually were saved after that? Believed in God? Did anybody catch that? Nobody said that to me afterwards, so I was wondering if, if somebody caught that. They actually repented. They actually believed in God when they threw Jonah. They, they believed that something was going on. The sailors. There was an anointing on that boat. Yet they threw the prophet overboard. They saw what happened. You know, sometimes it takes everything for people to believe that God is working. As I said last week, and, and you guys just kind of, some of you just really kind of turned me off, but I'm going to say it again. We spend more time on temporary things than we do on the eternal. We are so driven by sight. We will even raise our children that way. We will even raise our children that way because I'm not going to ask for any hands. I'm not going to ask for anything, but how many of you believe that education is more important than the spiritual walk of your children? Don't raise your hands. Because if, you were tr if, if it was truthful, if you were truthful in here, half of you would have raised your hands just now. We will spend more time and more money on our children's education than we ever will on their spiritual walk with God. You're turning me off again. We will spend more time on how much money we will make within the next 30 years than we will on our spiritual walk with God. We will spend more time on the temporary thing. Those things are important because if you, listen, if God gives you something that you can make money, you need to be given back to Him. Or you're just, you're just, in, self, you're just in your own selfish ways. We will spend more time on our physical health than we will on our spiritual health. We are more concerned about how we look to people on the outside than who we are to people from the inside. Ooh, that just came straight from the Lord. I didn't even know I was going to say that. We are so concerned about temporary things. Why are we so concerned about the temporary things? Because that's what we can see. You guys had enough? Let's go on. Carrie, you ready? Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Wow, could you imagine if this happened in America today? Huh? Could, what would happen? What would happen if Trump stood up, President of the United States, and said, we have got to turn from our evil ways? Would the people listen? We have gotten so driven in our evil ways, I don't care who stands up. Billy Graham has probably touched more people over the years of service than anybody probably ever, ever could, you know, in, in the past century. I mean, I mean he's, he's, man, he, was, he has just touched more people. There are fewer and fewer that want to listen to that message. 
there are fewer and fewer people that want to actually be taught from the Word of God. Now, I'm talking about in America. These people did not know much about God. They really truly didn't know who He was. They didn't even know who they were to God. But they knew something was going on and that powerful preacher stood up. Even that negative, powerful preacher, the one who said, no, I don't want to save these people, stood up in front of the people that he so much hated. He was so anointed. Even though he didn't even want to do it. He was so anointed that the people listened and turned from their ways. Carrie, go ahead. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Oh my goodness. After all that, what did it take for God not to carry out destruction? Somebody just shouted out to me, what did it take? That whole, what? Change of heart. Is that what you said? Change of heart. A decision to say, hey, I am changed, I, I, I am just in my heart, truly in my heart. Not just changing my mind, in my heart, I've decided. You know, we can do more destruction to our children, to our family, to our, to our marriage, to, to all those things just by having a hard heart. No, I'm not doing that. I am not. That is not how I was taught, and I am not doing that. Somebody told Cade not too long ago, they didn't believe in prosperity. We don't believe, that, that we don't, we do not believe in the prosperity message. How many of you were not taught the prosperity message when you were raised, when you were raised in church? Prosperity is not from God. Prosperity is, is evil. Money is evil. Money is, guys, if we're not taught the, the proper things, we can live in, in poverty all of our lives when God has so much for us. If we're taught that we don't need to serve in church, if we're taught that we don't give, we can actually, by our attitude, miss out on so many things that God has, has for us just because of an attitude. We need a change of heart. Listen, if you were one of those that, that you were taught that, that prosperity does not belong to you, let that go right now because it does. Let this, let, this, let this man of God just stand up in front of you and tell you that by the word of God, prosperity belongs to you, so you might as well just, just take it. I don't, care what, I don't care what your mother, your grandmother, your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your, you know, your sister, your brother. I don't care what they said. God says it belongs to you. But if you want the prosperity of God, you need to understand giving. Prosperity and giving are together. Yeah, but. No, I don't want, don't get those butts in the way. Just no big butts. Those things go together. If you're all concerned about because you don't have any money that you that you that you're living in poverty, change your heart. That was at the end of, of three. Okay, now we're going to go to four next week and finish this. But I want you to look at after all that. 
a city of 120,000 people was just saved. 120,000 or more. All because a man of God stood up and said, if you change your ways, God will not do this. We all, we all ought to be up here just, we ought to be just shouting joy, you know. We, come on, shout joy with me right now. Let's, get, let's give the Lord a hand. God just saved 120,000. Wait, wait till you hear the rest of this story next week. Just saved 120,000 people through one man. One man. Now, look at chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. What? What? That's where we start next week. But what? He just, he stood up and he gave the, the word of God to these people. God changed his mind. Everything worked out. He didn't like the 40-day thing. He wanted him dead then. Made him even more mad when God changed his mind. I think that the fish should have come up on shore and swallowed him again. Well, wait till you see the rest of this story and then wait till you find out what happens after the story. There's an after story to this that you can't read in Jonah. There's even more that went on. So let's recap a little bit. We see this guy that was called by God. And Kerry called me this week and he said, man, I've been studying this. And, and, and we, we pretty much decided that Jonah was a butt. That's how me and Kerry talked to each other. So we decided, you know, Jonah is really a, you know, he's really a donkey's behind because he... You know, he, he, was really, he was really mean and he was really kind of disgusting and he was really, he was really, he was really hard to get along with. I don't even think he liked people. Huh? No, he doesn't seem very likable. You, you know any Christians like that? Let's recap a little bit. So Jonah was, Jonah was called by God and he, and he didn't look like he was a very likable person. He, he probably wasn't one of those and, you know, the guys that are really called as, as, as prophets of God, they're not really very um, friendly. They're not. They're, even the ones that you'll see today, there are still prophets out there. And, and it, what, don't be pointing at me. He's over here pointing at me. <laughs> I'll get you later. It's one of those, you know, they're, they're generally kind of off to themselves type of people. Um, but, boy, when they get up, they've got a powerful word. And people listen. So this guy was called to 120,000 people, this one man. And he didn't, take, he didn't take it the first time. He took it the second time. He gets up in front of these people. He says what God tells him to say. He saves all these people. And then he gets mad because God saved the people. And that's where we are in this story right now. <laughs> you guys are going... What now? What? How can this be real? Because really in our old charismatic ways, we would just, you know, when God calls, here's what I was taught, when God calls, we listen, we go, everything goes great. 
I can wear a $1,000 suit and I'm fine. But that's not always how it goes. That's not always how the call of God goes. Because sometimes, nearly all the time, when God calls and you listen and you take it and you say, I'm running with it, that's when the devil comes to get you. That's when he comes to get you. I, I look back when I was preparing this today. I'm just going to do this in closing. And I look back and I thought, when we started this church, you know, it's been, it's been over 10 years. It's been over 10 years now. And when we first started the church, we could not do anything wrong. Every person that walked through the door would stay. We grew, when we, when we came to Owasso, we grew so fast. We had to continue to, to lease out the building. We had four spaces in the building. We grew so fast, we didn't know what to do with all the kids, all the teens. We, we just really didn't know what to do with all of it. And, we, and, and, and it showed in some areas. Then came the crazy people. They're still, they're still our family, but there are some crazy, as Carrie calls them, granolas. They're still our family, but I've, I've been, here's some things I've been told. I know you guys won't believe this, but here's some things I've been told. I had one person come in, and by the third service, he knew he was called as the associate pastor of this church. He said, God told him. I had somebody else come in. He said, I am the prophet of this church. I had a lady come in. She said, I am the prophet of this church. And if you will let me stand up in front of the people, I will show you the way to go. First Sunday there. I had somebody get so mad at me because Jean and I would not do what she wanted us to do. She got on Facebook and called me a pedophile. And I have to say that did hurt me. She took it back off after about four hours of figuring out that that probably hurt just a little bit. I have been called names. I have been called all sorts of things. I have been, I, I mean, it's just, and these were all by Christians. Not by one heathen out there was I called names. Not by one unsaved person did they come in the church and try to take over? It was those people out there that thought they knew more. You see, when you're growing and things are going good, the devil's going to use other things and other people to stop you. Yep. Oh, you're saying he can't work through people. Yes, he can. Because if they're listening to the wrong spirits, they will work through them. That's exactly what the devil tried to do. He tried to destroy this church by other people coming in and just, just tearing it apart. I had one guy meet me for lunch. He bought me lunch. He said, you are making the biggest mistakes every time you stand up there and preach. We were standing in, we were sitting in the restaurant and he said, you have got to change some things. If you will sit down with me, I will show you what to change. 
I was in tears by the time we left. The first time I have ever told somebody, don't you come back to my church ever again. And he didn't. You see, there are things out there, there are people out there, there are, when you have a, what I'm saying is, is when you decide to get a change of heart, you have just declared war. And when you declare war, you're going to make that decision right now that no matter what anybody says to you, no matter what anybody does, that change of heart remains. Because that's what you're called to do. Because once you get past the craziness, there is such great reward in what God has called you to I think, I think this message came this morning because there are, there are so many of us, there's somebody in here that you're needing to make, you know, you know without a doubt in your heart that you're needing to make a change. And you're saying, you know, if I do this, how hard is this going to be? What's my family going to say? There are some of you in here that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you're afraid of what your family's going to say. There's some of you in here that need to start giving, but you don't know what your spouse is going to say. Make that change of heart and watch how many people, watch how many people that you will make a difference to, that you will touch. You get to the point to where it doesn't matter what anybody says, what anybody does. You're going to do what God has called you to do. And it may be the third or fourth time. Fifth time, sixth time. But you're going to make that, you're going to make that change of heart. Would you stand up with me? Wow, there's such a lesson in this story. There are so many, so many things to be told in this, in this little bitty four chapters, this little bitty book that was written over 800 no, man, my goodness, 2,800 years ago. Isn't that right? Because he lived 800 years before Jesus, so it's been over 2,800 years this story's been floating around. And we're just starting to learn really what it means. It doesn't have anything to do with the fish. It has to do with all about our attitude. So I'm just, man... I'm just going to continue to do this right now, just like I did last week. Those of you who weren't here last week, I'm speaking over you right now. In the name of Jesus, if, you know, if you've been held back because of what family has said to you, uh, what somebody else has said to you, in the name of Jesus, I break that off of you right now because it's time for you to move ahead. There's some people in here that you, haven't, you just haven't decided that giving is a part of your life and therefore you've been living in a poverty state all your life. And in, in Jesus' name, I break that off of you right now. We have a whole room full of, prosper, of prosperous people in this place. If you're not prospering, you just, you just lift your hand up right now and you receive it right now that this belongs to me in Jesus' name. This belongs to me. I take it all. This belongs to me. You know, yeah, but that's not what they, that's not what they told me, Mark. You're standing up there. That's not what they told me. You're asking me. No, in Jesus' name, I break that, that curse off of you that somebody's put on you. In Jesus' name, it's gone. 
It's time for you to prosper in, in the ways of the Lord, not of yourself. No, no, here's, here's something else. In, in Jesus' name, those of you who, who have been told that you need to go from person to person to person to person to find the right person, you're going in and out of relationships, in and out of relationships, and you still haven't find the right, found the right person in Jesus' name. I break that curse off of you. God's got somebody for you. You don't have to go from person to person. You don't have to have relationship after relationship. God's got, some, God's got that person for you now. You get a change of heart and do it God's way. Amen. What else, Orton? What else? Man, there's somebody in here that, that you're just, you've, you've had in your mind for a long time that you just don't think you're worth anything. Yeah, come on, Lord. Just tell me about it. You've been living for years and you just don't think your self-worth is just it's just you're just in a pitiful state right now. And you don't think God has anything for you. You don't think there's anything good out there. You just, you know, it's you're just in a pitiful state. Right now, in Jesus' name, that is being broken off of you. That has been that's been taken away from you right now. Yeah, in this service right now, because God's speaking to you. You've been in a, you've been just in a state. It, it's almost like you're in a fog. It's almost like you're you're just living in a fog. You're just going day by day, and it's just it's just life is life. There's nothing good out there. It's just life in Jesus' name. That is just take. I'm just taking that away from you, by the word of God, by. By the, in the name of Jesus, you are no longer in that fog. You are kind of, your mind is kind of clearing up right now. Right now. Your mind is becoming clear and you're going to be able to see really what God has for you. Yeah. Yeah, whoever that is, you know, you know what I'm talking about right now. You're going to be able to freely rejoice in the Lord. When people, you know, when, when if, if you're one of those that says, that says, I can't lift my hands, you're going to be free to lift your hands now. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be free to lift your hands. You're going to be free to praise God. You're not going to be concerned about what anybody else thinks about you. You're going to, you're going to, be, you're going to be raising your hands in surrender because you have a change of heart. So, Father, right now, as you have just, as a spirit, as your spirit is just, it's just all over this building, all over this place. This, this place is anointed. This place is anointed with, with, with Holy Ghost change. Father, we don't have to change other people. We just have to let you show us what we need to change in ourselves. So, Father, right now, as the Spirit of God moves in this place, as your spirit moves in this place, I speak over them as their pastor that they are free. They are free. They are free to worship you. If you're one of those that's been held back in worship, that you're free to worship now, you're gonna go home today. Uh, there's gonna be somebody in here that's gonna go home and you're gonna be praying and you're gonna receive the baptism at home. <laughs> ha! Gotcha! You're gonna receive the baptism at home. It's embarrassing to do it in church. Yeah, well, you're going to get it at home. Father, we just thank you that that person is going to receive it today. Thank you, Father. 
Father, this person, the person that's living in just desperation and, and just always nothing's for them. In Jesus' name, we broke, we broke that off of them today. And Father, they're going to know who they are in Christ. They're going to see a new tomorrow. They're going to wake up knowing that you're there with them. You're going to give them something tomorrow that they're going to know that you're there with them. Even if it's just, just a little whisper of them knowing that it's you. Father, we thank you that all you're doing in this place. Father, we thank you for this, for this group of church people. We're gonna, we're gonna touch other people because of who we are, what we believe, how free we are. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give them a shout this morning. Woo.